shout a victory in this place. Shout until every devil that's been on your trail hears the sound of victory. Shout until every spirit of depression has to leave. Shout until every devil of discouragement has to bust for the back door. Shout until every devil of distraction has to pack their bags and leave your house. I've got victory. I've got victory. I dare somebody to rear back and open up your mouth and fill the atmosphere with a shout of praise. land 101 the very first thing God taught them concerning the promised land is I'm going to put you in front of a wall uh, that you can't get around uh, you can't jump over it uh, you're just going to have to keep walking around it uh, the way that I told you to do it uh, and if you walk the way I told you to walk then when you shout uh, I'm going to get behind your shout uh, they walked around those walls and nothing happened and they walked around them again and nothing happened and they walked anybody know what that's like living for God sometimes uh, feel like you're walking in circles uh, and nothing's changing uh, your situation's not changing uh, the problem's not going away uh, nothing's happening uh, but I'm telling you if you'll keep on walking uh, according to the voice of God uh, there's coming a moment uh, when God says now uh, lift your voice uh, and when you lift your voice uh, all of heaven uh, 
is going to get behind you. I feel like somebody in this building this morning, God said, now shout. God said, today is your day. Your wall's coming down. I'm bringing you over. I'm bringing you through. I'm taking, I wish somebody in the building had enough faith to just out because God has given you the city. High five about 12 people on the way to your seat. Tell them welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Woo! There's a lot of Holy Ghost in this house today. There's a lot of anointing in this place today. Anybody just grateful to be in the house this morning? Clap your hands and give God a praise. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to join in with what has already been said, and I want to personally give a tremendous welcome this morning to all of our guests and our visitors that are here with us. Will you help me just lose your mind for a moment uh, and show our guests how much we love them? Rock Church, would you help me show our guests how much they mean to us? Come on. We are so, so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us today. You could be a whole lot of places. You could be in an eggnog, eggnog coma this morning. But you got up, got dressed, and came to the house of the Lord. And we are so honored that you're here in the house of the Lord with us today. If you're here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card. I think they'll have a picture of them behind me. You should have received one of these invitations. These invitations are for you to access a special room that we've prepared for you and your family after the service we have some small refreshments, some light refreshments, and a small gift that we'd like to give you after service just to tell you how much we appreciate you. We'd love to get an opportunity just to connect with you for a few moments right after the service. So if you're here for the first time and you did not receive one of those, just raise your hand and one of our ministry technicians will get one of those to you in just a moment. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you immediately after the service. Amen. And uh, it is so wonderful. I see so many guests here this morning. Uh, it is wonderful to have my mother back in the house of the Lord with us today. Would you help me honor her this morning? Amen. Amen. So good to have her in the house of the Lord with us today. And uh, what a wonderful time we have had enjoying her company. Everybody, everybody have a great week this week. You're still here. That's all you need is a reason to praise him. You made it through. You didn't get killed. You didn't die. You woke up this morning. That's why the Bible, that's why at the end of Psalm 150, there's only one qualification needed to give God praise. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. 
if you didn't, if, if your week was upside down, just the fact you got breath in your lungs this morning is the only qualification you need to get. I wish somebody would just take a deep breath and when you exhale, just let a praise come out of your spirit this morning. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him Tuesday night. Now turn to the one that, that's paying attention to you. Tell him Tuesday night. There will be no service here. Tell him. Now give him this. Say, but wait, there's more. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. There will be church here Thursday night. Thursday night at 1030 will be our New Year's Eve celebration service. Anybody excited? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost already. Anybody excited to shout in the new year? Oh. It is going to be an amazing time in the Holy Ghost. Our midweek service is being moved just this week from Tuesday at our normal time. We will not be here. If you want to come and pray, God bless you. But we will be here Thursday night at 1030, and we're going to bring in the new year having church. And we're going to go into the new year with Holy Ghost power and authority. I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't have a list of all of the bad things that happened in 2020. All I can say is God's been good to me. And I've got a reason to give God the praise. I wish somebody would take a moment and just thank him for everything he's done in your life this year and thank him for making a way when there was no way. He brought you through. You made it to this point. To God be the glory for the things he's done. Woo. And so we're going to be here, tell your neighbor one more time, Thursday night. 10.30 p.m. Don't miss it. We're going to have church and then we're going to have food and fellowship right after the service. And it's going to be a great time. I can't think of a better way to bring in the new year than right here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I am so honored today to have with us all the way from Pueblo, Colorado, our dear friends, brother and sister Hicks this morning. They're no strangers to this house, but would you help me show them some love today? And uh, if you've been around here any length of time, you know that this, this is family to us. And um, I've known the Hicks for quite some time. And uh, I don't remember exactly how many years. I was a few pounds lighter when I met him. Hey, listen. I, I, I'm not fat. <laughs> I didn't get too many amens on that. 
you got to call things that are not as though they were. <laughs> I'm not. Listen, everybody's, everybody's getting into this, you know, identity stuff, you know. I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't identify as a fat man. I don't. Don't call me one because I ain't going to answer to it. I identify as a slim fit man. I'm, I'm translender. <laughs> but I, but I, never mind. <laughs> but I, 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 when I met him, I was, I was just a few pounds lighter. The Lord hath increased my boundaries, blessed my soul. I, I brought a lot of birds into the ministry. And, um, and he had, his hairline looked a little bit different back then. It looked a little bit different back then. And I've, I've known her for many years. And then Sister Hicks, I have known since she was a young teenager with an incredible, incredible testimony. And I watched God pull her up out of the miry darkness of this world, fill her full of the Holy Ghost, and turn her into a world-changing machine. And uh, I was privileged for many years uh, to serve beside them in the local church that I came up in. And uh, God has saw fit that they are there still holding up the hands of our great bishop, Paul Elder, and God is using them in so many amazing ways. And we're just honored that they would take their time to be here with us this weekend. And uh, I thought it would just be awesome for him to come and deliver the word to, of the Lord to us today. Did anybody come expecting something from God in this place? Would you stand to your feet one more time all across this sanctuary? And would you just lift up your hands in the presence of the Lord as a sign to him that you're ready to receive whatever it is that God has for you. Would you, as your hands are lifted, would you lift up your voice now and just begin to thank him today for the privilege and honor of being in his house. Brother Hicks, we want you to come and deliver the word of the Lord to us. God bless you in Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's continue to just worship him for a few moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost is moving in this place today. They're young men now. My apologies. Praise God. I would say a lot of other things, but I really feel the urgency to move right into the word of the Lord. Going to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. I feel like there are some people in the house today that you have some great needs. And uh, 
I believe the Lord's going to help us today. Amen. I believe he's going to step into some situations. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, Go. And he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Watch this last phrase. And his servant was healed in the self same hour. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us in the next few moments. Jesus, God, we pray that you would speak. Let my lips be the oracle of the Lord today. Not my thoughts, not my ideas, not my intentions, oh God, but let the word of the Lord move and have free course in this place that you would do great things for your people today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated for just a few moments. I will be transparent and tell you that I struggled a little bit to preach this message today. I wrestled quite a bit because... It is actually the third time that I've preached this message in about two weeks. So hopefully we've got it tuned in a little bit. Uh, a few weeks ago at home on a Tuesday afternoon, I was at school and my phone rang and it was Bishop. And he said, hey, I need you to preach tonight. And so I... Those of you that have preached or taught, you know you begin this process of, with not a lot of time available to try to zero in and find the mind of the Spirit and put something together and, and not make it look like it was too short of notice, but you just try to find something and get there. And, oh, I think it was about 6.15 that evening prayer starts at 7 and it was already after 6. I was sitting in my office with my Bible open 
and there was just kind of this buzzing in my head and nothing was happening. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought, God, you got to help me. You just, you have got to help me. And my phone rang, and usually when I'm in prayer or study, I don't answer my phone. I think it's kind of rude to be talking to one person and then start talking to somebody else. <clears throat> uh, but there's a handful of people that I will answer the phone for. Bishop, my wife, there's a few other elders in my life. And so it was one of these elders, and I answered the phone, and a few pleasantries were exchanged. I'm going somewhere. I know we slowed down here for a minute, but we're going to get there. And uh, they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to get ready to preach. And I said, well, I better let you go since you're busy. So well, you're not really interrupting anything because there's not much going on here. And I will readily acknowledge that that has nothing to do with God or the moving of the Holy Ghost. It's probably me, but it's just where I was at. Praise God. And they paused for a moment and they said, Matthew chapter 8, great faith, click. Now I have gotten some messages in some very unusual ways. <laughs> uh, but that's the strangest so far in my life. <laughs> and so I kept working on this thing that I was trying to put together and it wasn't, it just wasn't happening. So finally I said, okay, God, let's do this. And so I encourage you this morning, if you're, if you're in a position where you're wrestling with something, and the man of God calls and speaks into your life at random, just take that word and grab a hold of it and go with it. Amen. I promise you, you'll never regret it. You'll never look back and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Praise God. So we find this story in Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus is ministering in Capernaum. And the centurion comes to him, and he has a great need. We're going to talk about some great faith here in a little bit, but we have to understand that this man had a great need. He was not an Israelite. He was not a part of the people of God. He was a Roman centurion. Uh, the Jews probably really viewed him as the invader, as the one who didn't belong in their Place. He was part of the overlord system of the Roman Empire that they viewed as keeping their people in subjection. And so we find this man has a servant who is very sick, grievously tormented. And the centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal him. Now, the centurion probably had lingering in the back of his mind whether Jesus would even acknowledge him. There was great tension in those days as there's great tension in our day. Amen. And they did, it was not even the custom of the Jews to speak to these people. And yet his need 
was so great that it drove him to Jesus to get his request met. And so there he is asking for this miracle. And Jesus says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to take care of this problem. But Jesus is one of these few times in the earthly ministry of Jesus where it actually brings him to a stop. This man actually caused Jesus to take a pause and look at him again. Because he said, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word only, and it will be done. Amen. How many believe that if God will speak a word into your situation, that it will, it will change, your need will be met, the crisis will pass? And Jesus uses this phrase, and he says, I have not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. It would be a shame for those of us who sit in this house every Sunday and every Tuesday night, who have been baptized in the name of Jesus, who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, who have seen the delivering hand of God in our life. It would be a shame for someone to come off the street and have more faith that God can work in their situation when we have already seen the hand of God moving and working for us. But unfortunately, Pastor Williams, it seems like that happens far too often where we can kind of become comfortable in this environment. I don't know how long the servant was sick. I don't know how long they dealt with this issue. I don't know how long the centurion was looking for Jesus. But I do know that in the moment that Jesus spoke into that situation, the Bible says in the self-same hour, the servant was healed. So I started looking in to this phrase, great faith. There's only two places in the scripture where Jesus says that someone had great faith. And so I was curious if it was the same roots in the Greek language and I found that it was not. And in our first instance in Matthew chapter eight where he said this man had great faith, is this word great has to do with much, many, or vast. Now, how many of you have heard people preach about all you need is a mustard seed of faith? I'm not knocking that. But I think in some ways we've missed the point a little bit. The point of a seed is not that it remains a seed. Farmers don't get loads of corn seed and leave it sitting in the barn in the silo to rot. What do you do with seed? You put it in the ground, you bury it, you water it, you fertilize it, you take care of it, you cultivate it until it grows and it becomes something great. 
The whole purpose of the mustard seed that Jesus talked about was that it would not remain a seed. It would become a great tree. And you may be in this house today feeling like, I don't even have a mustard seed. I don't feel like I have any faith for anything right now. Anybody identify with that? But let me encourage you. The fact that you are sitting in this building, the fact that you are sitting on a pew on Sunday morning tells me that there is a measure of faith in your life. The scripture says that God gave to every man the measure of faith. You've got it. It's in you. You know what I was thinking this morning, Pastor Williams, and I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody, but people say they don't have faith, they can't believe God can do it, but they got all kinds of faith when they put that thing over their face to go to the grocery store. And I'm not knocking it, we got to do it at home too. Probably worse than you guys have it here. They have all kinds of faith in about two millimeters of fabric. But when the preacher preaches and says, if you'll call on the name of Jesus, he'll step into your situation, we pull back and say, I don't know about that. That's crazy. The man of God says, God wants to bless your life. And we're sitting here going, I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. Been in the airport a little bit the last two weeks. I've seen some crazy things in the airport. People running away from you, hiding behind things. Got a mask on, a shield on. We saw one lady when we traveled in the summer. She had a hazmat suit on in the airport. And the hood off so she could eat. Too late, you got it. It's over. But we place our faith in a lot of things. We put our confidence in information that we don't know where it comes from. And forces in our world today that are just driving people. And they are making completely irrational decisions but it's an expression of their faith. They really believe that it's going to save them. But I'm glad today that we have invested our faith in the name of Jesus. He is a strong tower. He is a rock that we can run to. When the world is in chaos, we know that the name of Jesus will bring deliverance, it will bring healing, it will bring provision to our lives. And we've seen all the memes and all the craziness about 2020 and everything that it's meant. And I've said this at home multiple times. I don't know about you, but 2020 has been an amazing year for us. <laughs> Pastor said it earlier. I have nothing to cry about in 2020. God has been good to us. Let's give him some praise 
for the goodness and the provision and the kindness of our Savior. Praise God. And this man had much faith. He wasn't willing to stay at the mustard seed level. He wanted to go a little more. And everybody wants to have great faith. I want to have great faith. I'm not preaching to you today and saying that I have great faith. I'm striving to get there. But I also recognize in the scripture that in order to have great faith, that faith has to be put to the test. If all you're believing God for is to heal your ingrown toenail, that's not going to require a great manifestation of faith. And we preach and we say we want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, but nobody wants to get sick. And so when God is looking for someone to express great faith, they find themselves in first great turmoil. Amen. In those moments that require great faith, there is an equal moment of absolute great terror. Nobody gets the phone call that says, you've got cancer, without stepping back for a moment. Nobody gets that phone call that you've just lost everything and you're going into foreclosure and you're bankrupt and your business collapsed without stepping back for a minute. It's your response to that moment that's going to dictate the outcome. It's your response. Everybody has that initial. But those with great faith, somewhere they have cultivated in their life, they have planted the seed, and they have worked on it, and they have worked on it, and they have seen God deliver in the past, and so they can dig down and draw on those past experiences and say, you know what, God took care of this other thing back here, and he took care of this situation a few years ago. Can I preach to this church just for a little bit? When you were in that little tiny building that looked like it was about to collapse and you didn't know where you were going to go and God opened a door and then there was a building and you moved into that building. Anybody, anybody here that was there back then? And then you didn't know where you were going to go from there and you were praying and you were fasting and you were believing but you couldn't see And now you kind of find yourself back in that situation. But he did it twice. He did it. You have no reason to fear. He's already taken care of it before. He's going to take care of it again. And that next building's not the stopping point either because he's going to do it again 
and he's going to do it again. We have a statement of faith that we read for the offering at home. And in there it talks about we have sown and we're going to reap. We teach Bible studies and more Bible studies to people from every nation, every language. And that God is going to pour out a revival that there is not a building big enough to receive it. How many believe that God could pour out a revival in Fort Myers? I don't think this building's big enough, Pastor Williams. Oh, he's just talking crazy so people will stand up and clap. I've been doing this long enough to not worry about that anymore. I really believe all in the last few days, Pastor Williams has shared with us some of the incredible testimonies of people that are sitting in front of me right now. Some of you I don't even know, but I've, I've heard your testimony of the incredible things that God has done in your lives. God is nowhere near finished in Fort Myers. He is nowhere near finished in the work that he wants this church to do. There are many of us, under the sound of my voice today, you have incredible testimonies. But there's another hundred of you, there's another thousand of you that God wants to add to the kingdom of God. Amen. This, you may not even see this in yourselves. You may not even understand this, but this church is more than just a church in Fort Myers, Florida. This church is setting precedent and creating influence all over the apostolic world, all over the United States and overseas. There is, there is tremendous power and anointing upon this people. And I'm not preaching about Pastor Williams right now. I've known him a long time, and I know the power and the anointing that God has placed in his life. And I appreciate that, and I'm not taking anything away from it. But the people who are sitting in front of me today, you are anointed. And you have power in your life that some of us have not even realized yet. We have not even tapped into the potential that God has placed in us. But he is asking us today, are we going to respond in fear, or are we going to respond with great faith? The other account of great faith is in Matthew chapter 15. We find that this is again someone who is outside of the people of God. This woman has a daughter who is vexed. She is of Canaan. She is not Jewish or of the Israeli people, and she comes to Jesus and cries unto him, saying, verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. The other man was tormented, and this young lady is being grievously tormented. 
I have been in situations in my life that I do not want to repeat. I didn't sign up for them. I didn't volunteer. I didn't ask God, hey, you. I mean, in a roundabout way, we all do. When we come down to this altar and we say, God, if you can use anything, use me. You just signed the contract. You just didn't read the fine print. But I have been in those kind of situations where I thought, am I ever going to get out of this? And looking back, I'm grateful for what those things have added to my life, but I don't ever want to go there again. If God's looking for volunteers, I'm going to sign somebody else up. But the reality is, nobody gets to a place of mature or great faith without going through some situations. There are going to be some challenges. There are going to be some days of just complete perplexity where you have no idea where to turn or what to do. And so this lady comes and she begs that Jesus will heal her daughter. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Most of us, if we came to a church where nobody said a word to us, we would never come back. Because unfortunately, for some people, church is a social thing where we interact with people. And I'm all about fellowship, and we got to be connected with the people of God, and that's a whole nother topic for another time. But the primary purpose of coming through those doors on a Sunday is to connect with Jesus Christ. Glad everybody's here. We'll fellowship and talk and shake hands and hug after church. But when it's time for church to start, it is time to touch the throne of God. And some of us, God keeps a pressing need in our life because that's the only thing that keeps us coming with a purpose and with a drive to touch him when we come in this house. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this, okay? Put myself in that same category. But he didn't even answer her. He didn't look at her. He didn't say go away. Nothing. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She didn't quit. She absolutely would not give in. She just kept after it. Jesus wasn't listening, so then she started in on the disciples. We've all had those people who've come, prayed in the altar, sought in the altar, until we're ready to pull our hair out. 
disciples, the disciples had it wrong, Pastor William. That was their job, to work with people. And we reached the point sometimes in working with some people, we're like, are they ever going to, God, would you do something? This lady was so desperate, she was so persistent, she was so crazy and wild that she drove the disciples to start asking Jesus to do something about the situation. Now, they wanted him to just send her away, but that wasn't what God had in mind. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but to the how, unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Well, I prayed about it for two weeks, and it ain't happened yet. Keep praying. Well, I've prayed about it for a year. Keep praying. Well, I've prayed about it for 10 years. You got to keep praying. You have to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Here, this lady is worshiping him, pleading her case before him, and Jesus says, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. This situation is spiraling downward. He obviously did not read how to win friends and influence people. First he ignores her. Then he says, go away, basically. Now she's worshiping him. And he says... You're a dog. That's the implied statement. I'm not going to cast the bread to the dogs. Watch this response. When we get to this place, we will know that we are operating in the realm of great faith. And she said, truth, Lord, I'm a dog. say, I don't know who he thinks he is. I'm going to tell him something. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Truth. I'm a dog. Yet dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. When you get to a place and when your situation gets so desperate and it gets to the place where you are, you have no recourse and you begin to call on the name of Jesus in desperation. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy She overcame every obstacle. Racial prejudice, religious prejudice, 
He overcame the obstacle of the people who were supposed to be doing the ministry of Jesus. Because she could exercise great faith. And her daughter was made whole from that very feel like there are some people in the house today, you've been dealing with situations for a very long time. And when you've dealt with things for a long time, sometimes it's hard to maintain your faith that God's going to work in that situation. It can become very disheartening very frustrating. Telling someone recently there were, have been days at home where I have just literally gone in the sanctuary and laid on my face and just screamed like a wild animal. Not even words to speak in prayer. I, everybody thinks I'm just super calm and collected all the time. But I'm telling you, there can be situations in your life that will push you right to the edge. But I think, no, I don't think, I know that God has showed up today to step into some of those situations. I'm not talking about you developed a problem last week, last month talking about people who have struggled with things for a long time. And I just think it's amazing. In Luke chapter 18, I'm not going to read the whole account. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to do something in here today. Jesus gives the account of a widow who is being oppressed. Her adversary is opposing her greatly. And she cannot find recourse. She doesn't have a husband to argue for her. She doesn't have, in those days, any kind of finances to try to fight against her adversary. She just finds herself in a place where she has no ability to solve her problem. And yet there is a judge, and she begins to go to the judge. She begins to ask him, avenge me of mine adversary. Avenge me of mine adversary. Avenge me of mine adversary. And the Bible says that she went continuously. Went day in and day out, day in and day out, continually, continually, continually. And the Bible says of this judge that he was not a just man. He did not fear God, he did not fear man, but he was just really in it for his own interest. And yet she kept coming, she kept knocking. 
the Bible says that finally this judge, though he, though he feared not God nor man, he said, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Has anybody ever had somebody like that in your life? Like they will just not quit. I know some of you moms can relate to this. Mom, 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 mom. Everybody else in the room is twitching. Answer that child. We can feel like that sometimes in prayer where we're, Jesus, 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 you see my need. Jesus, you see the situation. Jesus, I'm coming back again. Hey, Jesus, I'm here today. You know this situation. You know this issue. You know this problem that I'm having. You know this. And we've all been there. If we've lived for God very long, we've all been in that moment where we've said, I feel absolutely ridiculous praying this prayer again. I've prayed for this loved one for so long I don't even know God. But Jesus said if the unjust judge was willing to help the widow, how much more your heavenly Father will avenge his elect? Though he bear with them long, and some of us were sitting in this place today and the Holy Ghost has put his finger right on our forehead. Because you've been in that situation, it feels like, for so long. He might bear long with you. It might be a season that you have to walk through. But Jesus said he will avenge his elect when he gets ready. When you step into that moment where God is going to avenge your situation... Jesus said he will do it speedily. Speedily. And you find all through the scripture where it was immediate. It was the self-same hour. It is speedily. It is right now. know where we are today. I don't know what the situations are. It's in our health, in our finances, in our home. Things that just torment us in our minds at times. But the Holy Ghost has showed up in this house today. 
Holy Ghost has showed up in this house today. He's not put you in those situations to destroy you. He has not put you in those situations to undermine your faith. He has put you in those situations to build your faith and to show you that he is a God who can do anything. He can do anything. He can step into any situation. He can bring healing. He can bring deliverance. He can break the bondage of addiction. He can do it. He can do it. And he can do it today. Before we leave this house, he can step into your situation. And what seemed impossible, he can turn it in a moment. Can we lift our hands and begin to worship him, Jesus? Oh, God. You see the cry of your people. You hear the cry of your people. Oh, God. If you're in this house today, and this is your first time, you've never received the Holy Ghost, you don't maybe even know some of what we're talking about right now, but God has brought you to this moment in this house to do a work in your life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, we need you to move in this place.